Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Seafood News Roundtable. I am your host, Adam Sharkey, here with Mike Ramsing to talk the seafood markets as we always do. How's everything going, Mike? Oh, hey, Adam. It's good to be back in the studio. I kind of missed you guys last week. Yes, that's right. We had Paul on for a special recap of the shrimp import numbers, which if you missed it, definitely make sure to go to our podcast channel or seafoodnews.com and check out that podcast there because he talked a lot of different import shrimp figures and it was a very interesting podcast. It was a really, really interesting uh, breakdown with the president, Werner Berry, and uh, I agree with you, Adam. Everyone should really check that one out. So as far as what we're doing this week, Werner Berry's actually got their Christmas party tonight. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) But we're closing out the year, and we have some really interesting stories that are setting up for a very dynamic 2017 at the moment. So I guess we should start with what's going on with lobster, because you'd mentioned in an earlier podcast that the thing to watch in December was going to be lobster. Now is the winter season in Nova Scotia in LFAs 33 and 34. That's a lobster fishing area for those who don't know the, the lingo. Exactly. Yeah. That's correct. So we are seeing a delay in those LFAs. So what's going on with this delay? I thought on the last show, it looked like things were sort of getting going and That's, now it's even more. Yeah, it's it's funny, Adam. It's the more we get into the season, it's almost the less we know. Uh, that's kind of what we're picking up from those in the industry right now. The season was going after dumping day around November 29th. But since then, the weather up in Nova Scotia in these fishing waters has been very poor. Uh, a lot of wind, just not ideal conditions to you know fish for lobster so uh, we're hearing reports of, of very limited fishing days at this point this might not be an unusual occurrence for this fishery but you know regardless of whether or not it, it was expected it does mean that that lobsters aren't coming in from nova scotia which at this point in the season is the the sole supplier the key supplier to the industry and this is a huge contrast between this year and last year because we actually had some of the best fishing weather in nova scotia in recent memory in the season as we came into 2016 and now we're back in this delay delay wind wind situation that's absolutely true that's what's going on um you know the lobstermen again they didn't really think that they were going to get a repeat of of that weather from last season but uh, it's mother nature certainly come back with with a bit of a vengeance here this year and how is this affecting the quality of the lobsters that we're seeing come out of there oh and and that's another issue is the lobsters that we are getting are not very great quality and really what we're seeing are are lobsters that are good enough to go into the processing sector or for sales to like the local live markets in new england and and other regions around north america but uh, this is product that's not really ideal to be shipped live overseas to markets in asia which which really has emerged as a as a really premier market for for live lobsters coming from north america but we're seeing that exports to Europe and China are still pretty strong. Is that because the supply is coming from other areas? In the European and Chinese consumers at this point, this is their time to buy lobsters. So even though there might not be a lot of product or, or live product around, there's still quite a bit of demand for it. So what we're seeing are, are simple supply and demand dynamics here with higher prices. Uh, we're seeing higher live lobster prices Nearly every week at this point, you know, we don't do any forecasting here at Underbury, but we're hearing if this situation in the LFAs 33 and 34 continue with lackluster landings, 
the expectation is for strong prices throughout the winter season. And lobster was already setting records throughout 2016. Lobster was pretty highly priced. So. Uh, particularly for the processed product, uh, you know, lobster meat, to a lesser extent, you know, live product was reasonably priced, but now we're really getting into those higher levels. Well, that's definitely making up for a pretty murky situation as we move into the new year. And one can definitely understand the caution of some buyers that don't really know if we're going to see the markets roll back or tick up in the coming weeks. That's what's, that's what's happening. It's just very murky and, and it's, a, it's a wait and see approach at this point. We'll know more and more as the season goes on and boats are able to report back to us. So let's transition to the next topic here. Uh, we're gonna, and it's actually funny because on the episode where we talked a couple weeks ago about the Iceland strike, we made a joke that it seemed like if it's not one thing, it's another with these strikes. And now it seems like the same fishermen that settled their strike are now back on strike. That's so right. what's happening in Iceland? So we did report that Iceland's fishermen had had negotiated a deal in in mid November. The four major fishing unions there had kind of come to an agreement that they would uh, ink a labor deal for about two years and resume work, and, and things in mid-November seemed they were on their way. But this week, we picked up some information that the four major fishing groups have, have elected to renege on that deal and, and go back on strike. So now what's the potential impact for cod production? Because we talked about how the resolution of the strike meant that supply would be fairly uninterrupted, and now that they're back on strike... Is there a risk to the cod market in 2017? Sure. Uh, that fear is is now back. When the labor deal was struck, it seemed that a fresh supply of cod to the U.S. market, particularly in the East Coast, uh, that's where we've been seeing a, a large portion of the fresh cod uh, heading in, into the U.S. market is, is, is East Coast buyers. It does seem that that production, once again, is, is once again now threatened uh, because of the work stoppage in Iceland. Generally, the way East Coast buyers operate is, is they... Uh, import on a week-to-week basis, um, where they get uh, air direct air flights from you know from Iceland, you know Icelandic suppliers. So yeah, it's it's very much all up in the air again. Yes, and year over year, you know, we got the import data in about a week ago, and we were looking at this data and looking at these reports. We can actually see that Icelandic exports of cod are up 29% through October year over year. So this is a market that's expanding. Yeah. This is a fish that's in demand. And now we have another supply disruption that's going to potentially impact the market heavily. Yep. You know, the, the data from foreign trade data d- does not lie. Uh, 8.9 million pounds of, of uh, Icelandic cod um, coming in fresh to the U.S. market through October. And uh, all this can now be in jeopardy once again because of the because of the strike. So we'll we'll see. That's a lot of fish sandwiches you're talking about. A little bit, yeah. So I want to jump over now to shrimp. We've covered the shrimp market. We've covered the Asian shrimp market, and now we're getting new news out of Thailand that there's going to be an increase in production. They're projecting an increase in production for 2017. So talk a little bit about that projected increase in production. Sure. Uh, it's it's never a seafood news podcast without a shrimp discussion. So uh, this week, it, it's it's news out of Thailand. The uh, Thai Shrimp Association there uh, issued their annual production estimate at 350,000 metric tons. This is a very positive uh, projection by the, the, the Thai uh, industry. It's a 50,000 metric ton increase over what their production was this year. Uh, they're now expecting shrimp exports uh, in 2017 to increase anywhere between 10 and 15 percent. 
there is a caveat to it. We, we are talking to some guys who think that this figure might be a little optimistic. Uh, but either way, uh, it, it is a sign that, that the Thai shrimp industry uh, appears to have really uh, solved their disease and production issues from years ago. And, and, and Thai production, either way you cut it, even if it's too optimistic, it's still a positive step in the right direction for the Thais. They remain one of the top suppliers of shrimp to the U.S. market, and they're always appearing in top three or top five, depending on how you slice it, in the foreign trade data reports that we put out. Yeah, uh, they are right now. Uh, at least in 2016, they've they've jumped Ecuador uh, as the third highest supplier, and they really are a key contributor this year, particularly in in helping the U.S. maintain a record pace of shrimp imports that I think you talked to Paul about last week, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. we talked extensively about those three main shrimp exporters in Southeast Asia. We talked about India, Indonesia, and Thailand, and then of course their neighbors are are important as well to the industry. Well, that's enough about shrimp because, like you said, there's no complete seafood podcast without talking about shrimp. I'm, I'm sure we're going to want to talk about it next week, too. Absolutely. Who knows? But I think we've been talking about the next subject quite a bit, too, right? Yes, absolutely. We did talk about the Oregon Dungeness crab season and this domoic acid, or as some people in the industry often refer to it, demonic acid. <laughs> so the Dungeness crab fishermen... As I understand it, finally got to go ahead to commence fishing in Oregon. And on the last show, it was only California. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that the West Coast is basically starting to finally chug into the 2017 season? It, it does seem that we've finally kind of jumped, cleared the, the hurdles here. Uh, the, the Dungeness fishermen out in Oregon are, are, are now uh, able to fish, effective December 18th. Uh, that's when we expect uh, the first round of crabs to hit the market finally. And uh, the processors and the fishermen did agree to a $3 per pound boat price. Uh, it was a little higher than last year. Uh, and it's, it's finally some good news for, for that industry that they're able to get going. And it is several months earlier than it was last year, uh, which, as we all know, was delayed uh, for quite some time because of that toxic acid. But again, um, we have some new preseason meat fill tests that show the crabs are in good quality uh, and that they are... Uh, you know, free of the, the demoic acid that had uh, prevented the sales and, and fishing seasons from last year. That's definitely great news for crab enthusiasts and people that are out there in the markets looking for crab for their restaurant menus or any of the other further processed crab items we see in grocery stores. Also, the, the live market in Asia has become a, a really relevant sales market for uh, the industry there too. So good news for the for the live market. For sure, for sure. So today's top story is actually not shrimp this time. We're going to jump into a top story that we've been covering for the past few days. It's a fun little fish called mahi. Mahi comes up because it's a bit of a seasonal cultivation, but mahi is a very popular fish among restaurant menus and grocery stores. So what are we seeing in the mahi market that has taken it to prominence in the past few days? So Seafood News reported a couple weeks ago that the market had climbed to uh, record or near record levels, depending on whether it was fresh or frozen product. Put that story out and it, it seemed to uh, you know resonate with the industry. And since then, uh, we've been hearing more news out of Mahi, not market related, but having to do with the actual supply chain. And we're hearing issues with the supply chain as they pertain to FDA refusal rates. Really what we've experienced here in 2016 is a record rejection rate for mahi refusals to the U.S. market. And what's the cause for that record rejection? Because there's lots of reasons that 
a seafood import would be rejected, whether it's the presence of certain antibiotics or filth or whether it's even just something as simple as a paperwork error. So you, you nailed it on your, on your second comment. It was filth. According to Ernerberry's foreign trade data, FDA refusals for mahi are uh, being driven by, by filth. Um, specifically, decomposition is being detected in the fish, according to the FDA. And we are seeing uh, more than double the amount of rejections for mahi in the market in 2016 versus last year. And now one thing that we've seen on foreign trade data looking at those import refusals is that it seems like the FDA is focusing more and more on filth. So could it be that mahi is getting caught in the crossfire of an industry crackdown? It seems that's the case. It seems that mahi is an easy target because it is a fish that is prone to histamine. It's a fish that is, you know, once it's taken off of ice... Uh, or once it's being transported, it's at high risk of developing histamines and, and decomp. Uh, but again, you know, the, the supply chain generally in the, in the seafood industry knows these things are very well aware of them. However, it's a, situ- it's a matter that's, that's going to happen. You know, there are going to be fish that come through, you know, with some decomp that are showing signs of some decomp. However, uh, it does appear that the FDA is cracking down on filth among all seafood imported in the U.S. Um, we're seeing uh, an overall increase in FDA seafood refusals, uh, 60%. A majority of those are being driven by filth, and, and this is across the top five species. In addition to mahi, we're looking at it in, in snapper, we're looking at it in lobster, we're looking at it in shrimp. Um, you know, so it's, it's certainly a pervasive issue. Certainly. And now, if this were the case, now, if we were experiencing a case of an increasing fishing season and an increasing supply, a crackdown on filth might not have as much of an impact on the markets as we're seeing now with these record highs. But our friends in South America, Ecuador and Peru, who export a lot of different seafood items to the United States, are having mahi seasons that aren't exactly breaking any barriers or rolling any heads. We're not really seeing anything too impressive out of either country in the mahi season. So what are importers looking to as some potential relief from these prices? So, you know, you're right. I mean, the the, the seasons in Ecuador and Peru have been lackluster and, and suppliers are really just telling us there's really not a lot of product. Uh, they've attempted to kind of look around to secure uh, enough product to fill certain orders and, and, and try to get uh, mahi, you know, to, to try to boost of you know mahi availability in the market, whether it's fresh or frozen. But when the fish isn't around, it's just not around. Uh, you couple this lack of of raw material uh, in the market with the added pressures from the FDA, and you have importers very averse to even risking importing the product at this point. Yeah, I know some traders are telling Seafood News that. They're telling some of their customers to hold off on planning their entire year around mahi. And one thing that I've personally seen in the last couple of years is a lot of mahi on restaurant menus. So I imagine that some people are being advised not to feature it as heavily because of this potential supply concern. That's exactly what's going on right now. Uh, It looks like, uh, and Seafood News reported it this week, that mahi could very well disappear from menus in 2017 because of the, the coupling of, of the lack of uh, production in Peru and Ecuador, uh, in addition to the crackdown by the FDA on filth and seafood and the amount by which it's, it's rejecting mahi refusals. Importers are just not really willing to take the risk at this point. 
Well, we're definitely going to stay tuned for that. Seafood on restaurant menus is probably one of the biggest topics that we cover on the show. And so we're, we're definitely going to keep our eye on mahi imports and the trends in this market. We're going to keep our eye on some of the other topics that we're covering. And Mike, we'll have you back next week to talk about the next top story. Adam, it was a pleasure. Uh, I can't wait to hang out at the Ernerberry Christmas party tonight, unwind a little bit, and then move into the holiday season. Absolutely. Now, we're recording this the week prior, but you'll be listening to this the week before Christmas Eve. So for those of you out there listening, hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas from Ernerberry, and we'll be talking soon in the new year. Adam, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, Mike. To you as well. All right. Take care.